When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Welcome back to Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, and now we're joined by Sage Rosenfels here on the show, as we always are on Wednesdays, but this time our two instead of our one. So introducing new listeners, hopefully, to Sage Rosenfels. Uh, Sage, how are you? What's going on, man? I'm doing great, getting ready for uh, Thanksgiving, starting to pack a little bit, taking the kids out to Colorado, uh, see my brother and my, my, my parents this year. Nice. So l- looking forward to a little turkey and whatever else uh, uh, the fancy hotel that is serving the brunch that we're going to that we don't have to cook is going to be cooked <laughs> for us, which is I'm very excited about that. Yeah, the wife and I, I think, are going to order a pizza, probably. We are just not exactly great Thanksgiving cookers. Um, before we uh, get to our guest, which is a journeyman quarterback that I'm very excited to talk to in uh, Jay Fiedler in just a couple minutes here, I, I want to get your take, Sage, on Lamar Jackson, because the other night watching him against the Los Angeles Rams was was truly mind-blowing, the way he picked them apart, not just with his legs, but with his arm as well. And he's working with Greg Roman, who was the same offensive coordinator that worked with Tyrod Taylor and Colin Kaepernick and got a lot out of those guys. I'm curious about what you see when you watch Lamar Jackson play in that offense, because I think it's the perfect marriage of a guy who had the skill to be a great NFL quarterback but needed the right person pulling the strings, and Greg Roman has been that guy. Hats off to the Baltimore Ravens for one for taking a I don't know what to say take a chance but you know he was at what twenty eighth pick of the draft or something thirty second thirty second when but by the way Baltimore actually passed on him the first time that was their second first yes, rounder they picked Hayden Hurst congratulations that, on that Ravens that year so they did draft him and once they did pick him they just they they created a plan and uh, having Greg Roman. Uh, of all coaches in the in the NFL, as the offensive coordinator, that perfectly fits basically his skill set. Uh, and my guess is there's going to be sort of other Greg Romans that come off of this because I think there will be some more. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's a freak athlete, but I think there is going to be now. Um, you know, the, the Kyler Murray five a five ten guy was drafted the first pick of the draft. Right? I think the NFL is a little bit changing to where teams are starting not to worry about the 6'4", 6'5". Is he going to be Drew Bledsoe, Peyton Manning, pocket passer? But seeing the value of these really athletic 
uh, you know, quarterbacks who can also throw. And his throwing this year has been very impressive. Yes, because uh, that's where his struggle was last year. He, you know, he went to work in the off season. Uh, he and his coaches, I'm sure and have turned him into a very good passer, which he was not, uh, not, 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 I mean, that playoff game last year, they had something like seven yards of pass in the first half. It was pitiful. But now they've got the whole thing working, and uh, it's a fun offense to watch. It's different, um, and uh, but it's explosive, and he's explosive, and there's, you know, there's almost nobody like him in the NFL uh, from an athletic standpoint. Well, how do you think that they fixed the the passing? I mean, I watched a ton of him at Louisville, and I thought, you know, I think this guy can do it. With the proper coaching, he can improve. He also didn't have a great completion percentage, but had bad wide receivers at Louisville. It's not exactly like what Alabama has this year with three or four NFL wide receivers. Uh, but such a huge improvement in one year. We almost never see that from a quarterback when it comes to just throwing the ball yeah we, we don't and and i will say this for you know for myself i really struggled when i first got to the nfl with the nfl football it was different than than you know it is different throwing an nfl ball than a college ball for whatever reason hmm. uh and, and when i came to the league they they used to the balls were fairly new for games they didn't let you uh, work them all up like they like, like they do now uh but i struggled that first year and of course the coverages and and really you know, your accuracy greatly goes up because you've got great anticipation, you've got good feet, and you only can do that when you have a great knowledge of coverages. So I think he has learned about football a lot more this year than last year, giving him confidence to, to fit balls in there uh, to make, maybe he couldn't anticipate last year. Uh, but he's also probably seen simpler coverages in a sense as when teams play them, they probably can't play as much, you know, cover two or these. They have to bring guys into the box and to stop that run because he truly is an extra runner. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, don't basically uh, create a defense to go, okay, somebody's going to have to have Lamar Jackson in in this fit. Um, you're going to get, uh, you know, r- you know, run off the field, and teams are already, you know, they're already run. It also helps out the running game. The actual running backs yeah. now, uh, you know, the teams are playing Lamar a little bit, and they they can't focus completely on the runner, and it actually helps out the running backs. And so it's uh, it's a different style of football. Uh, you know, when you don't, this is you know, Army and Navy and those those type Air Force, uh, uh, you know, Georgia Tech. When they were running the option, Nebraska running the option, it was different than what everybody else was doing. It was adding the quarterback into the running game. And the nice thing is, when you throw the football, bad things happen, can happen, right? Interceptions, incompletions, tip balls, sacks, fumbles, sack fumbles. You know, all these bad things can happen when you can run the ball with a quarterback. Uh, and just run the ball on teams, all those bad things go away. And uh, all you have to do is sort of execute that grinded-out running style, and they have put this team around him, uh, which uh, you know, really, hits, really fits his uh, uh, you know, athletic ability and throwing ability as well. Okay, now we're going to welcome in our guest on the show. like to every so often get fellow journeyman quarterbacks uh, that are friends with Sage Rosenfels. The other night I sent Sage a text and I said, are you friends with Jay Fiedler? And, of course, I already knew the answer was going to be yes. So we welcome in uh, Jay Fiedler. How are you, Jay? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? 
We're doing great. I want to read you a quote from Randy Moss about you. Um, because you played for the Vikings uh, in 1998, and then you obviously go on to Miami, where you uh, got to know Sage, and you, you have a good career as a starting quarterback there. Uh, but I was reading an article from the Baltimore Sun from 2000 where they're talking about you and, and taking over for Marino, and here's what Randy Moss said about you, Jay. He said, he's got very good accuracy, throws a nice football, he's an NFL quarterback, I like Jay, I had no complaints or negatives about him, he was quiet and he knew the game of football how awesome is that jay that randy moss said that about you (laughs) i think that was once (laughs) (laughs) what was it like playing Uh, with him uh, i'll I'll tell you what i mean randy was was a special athlete he was uh something else uh um you know that that whole 98 team uh in minnesota was was something special to be a part of uh uh, you know, we, we were setting records uh, in the NFL for scoring and offensive production, uh, you know, watching Randall Cunningham go out there and, and, and use the weapons that he had between Robert Smith in the backfield, uh, Chris Carter, Jake Reed, Randy Moss, and uh, and the like. And uh, uh, David Palmer coming in on third downs uh, out of the backfield was electric. Uh, you know, that was a real special team and, and something, uh, you know, to, 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 to really – uh, you know, I, I was I was excited to be a part of it. Uh, you know, I threw my first completion in the NFL to Randy Moss that season, and uh, you know, that's something that uh, you know I tell people all the time now. That uh, you know, people that don't really remember me playing, and uh, uh, you know, the young kids, I tell them that I threw my first completion to Randy Moss, and their eyes light up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's a fun little stat uh, to share with everyone. So, Jay, you're talking about, you know, 1998, your first NFL pass. Uh, you know, that sort of same with me. My first NFL pass uh, was about when I was playing with you, I, I think my third season or something. But uh, you started off in 1994, spent a couple of years with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, was that John Gruden, offensive coordinator, Philadelphia Eagles? It was. He actually he came in my second season. So I started off in 94 uh, with uh, Rich Kotite was the head coach and uh, – uh, Zeke Brodkowski, uh, the former Green Bay Packers backup to Bart Starr, uh, was our offensive coordinator that year. And then, you know, my second year in the league, uh, John Gruden came in as, you know, the youngest, uh, uh, offensive coordinator at the time, uh, in the league. And, uh, you know, he just brought some, some amazing energy. And, you know, I felt like, you know, that season with John Gruden, I got a PhD in football, uh, you know, just working with him. And, you know, getting to understand concepts on, on a uh, you know on a level that he brings to the table every day uh, from a preparation standpoint, from a film study standpoint, from you know strategy X's and O's. Uh, you know, he, he was a guy that I probably learned the most from in that one year of football. So, so you're you're out of football. Your first two years in Philly, out of football, '96 fall, and then you get signed with the Amsterdam Admirals play overseas in, in the spring of 1997 talk talk to me about talking about playing football in amsterdam <laughs> uh well that was you know that was it was fun uh we, we had we had a good time out there i was actually out there uh um i went out a couple weeks into the season because uh you know at the time the nfl was it was with the world league of football it wasn't nfl europe just yet but the nfl did have a uh, a relationship uh, with the European League uh, at the time where they were sending 
uh, you know, basically allocating their players uh, to go out to the league. So, you know, the majority of quarterbacks that started out there uh, were guys that were allocated from teams um, because I was out of football at the time. Uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to, to, to start uh, the season with any of the teams, and then there were a couple injuries and uh, uh, moves on rosters, and it opened up a spot for me to go out to Amsterdam. So, you know, I went out there a couple weeks into the season, and, uh, uh, you know, for me, just getting back into the game and, and uh, you know, being in, in, in a competitive situation, which, you know, really, uh, other than a couple of preseason games in Philadelphia, uh, you know, that was the extent for, for three or four years after uh, playing college football. Uh, so, you know, being able to compete again and, and uh, uh, you know, do it against other professional players, uh, you know, was, was a real uh, boost for me to, to keep myself sharp and keep myself in the game. And, you know, I had a great, uh, a great time out there, great teammates. Uh, you know, one of the other quarterbacks with us uh, out there was Mike McCoy. Uh, and, you know, I could see back then that he was going to be a heck of a coach because, uh, you know, the way he prepared for games and, uh, you know, the study sessions that, that we had together, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, helped us get ready each week uh, for the games. Talking with former NFL quarterback Jay Fiedler, I want to circle back to the 98 Vikings team, Jay. And, you know, you talk about learning NFL offenses early on in your career. Well, every time Brian Billick talks about the 98 team, he says that the strategy was basically throw it super long to Randy Moss, which, <laughs> which, which makes a lot of sense. But, you know, at that time, the NFL is sort of taking this, this transition into these crazy passing offenses. You have uh, that year as a record-setting offense, and then the following year greatest show on turf starts to show up was there something that was done strategically with that team aside from just huck it long to randy moss that was unique or, or creative in, in 98 well you know it's funny that bill uh, you know mentions that and uh you know one of the things and Sage could probably attest to it uh you know everywhere you go in the league and every new coach that you have kind of brings something different to the table to you and uh you know, for me, like I said before, you know, John Gruden just, you know, from a preparation and, and strategy, X's and O's standpoint of, you know, trying to create, uh, uh, situations as a quarterback to get an advantage, uh, you know, before every single play, that was, you know, kind of his specialty. And, you know, one of the things that I learned in that 98 season under Billick and, uh, and, and with that team is, you know, when, when you find a matchup that you like and you find a guy and you know that your guy is better than the other guy, take the X's and O's out of the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, take, take it off the table and just, you know, let your guys make a play. And, and that's really what it was, Randy. Uh, you know, and, you know, fortunately, obviously for that team, you know, you had guys all across the field, so it made it easy to, to, to find that matchup and, and you were going to have a mismatch somewhere, uh, you know, with that caliber of talent and, uh, you know, some coaches, you know, feel like, uh, you know, they have to complicate things when, you know, the, the bottom line is if you have better players, keep it simple and let your guys go out and play. And that was really, you know, what, uh, you know, that team brought uh, week in and week out. It wasn't anything special, you know, schematically or, or, or anything. It was spread teamed out, uh, you know, forced them into, uh, you know, creating one-on-one situations somewhere on the field, find that situation, and let your guys make plays. 
You know, Sage, this should really be a separate podcast for us where we go through journeyman quarterbacks' careers and we ask them about every single team because this is well, great. Yeah, um, well, that's the thing is, you know, it's, it's you know, Jay, when we talk football on here, you know, when I go watch these Vikings games or this morning I watched the Bears games, I just did a Bears radio show, but when you watch the coaches' film, you know, all the things that you go back to are all the different coaches that, you know, I had, that you had, and I think that's a really big advantage in some ways rather than the, the players that play for maybe one coach for five or six seasons. You know, Eli Manning basically played the same offense for his first 10 years in the NFL. But, you know, after football's over, uh, to, to bounce around, to be sort of like the, we, we call it the journeyman backup, which is our Wednesday segment, uh, I think you get, you know, so much knowledge from these very, both good and bad. You know, there's times like, ah, I wish that offense would have done this because this old offense did that and really liked the way they did that. And uh, But this guy, he does a good job with this, and they teach the wide receivers to do this, which I like, and how you sort of pick all these little pieces from all the various coaches that you have. But you only can really do that if, you know, you have the type of career that you had when you sort of bounce around is that, you know, we, we like to say journeyman backup, but you were like a legit starter uh, for, what, three, four, three years, four years uh, in the NFL, where you know, when I was with you with the, with the Dolphins, man, that you were you were the starting guy, and we had some really good football teams. You led to the Dolphins to the to the playoffs, uh, and uh, you know, a couple nine and seven and ten and six seasons, which we were you know right there, but uh, uh, you know didn't get in the playoffs. But man, you you know you really worked your way up the old fashioned way from being out of football, playing in Europe, working your way up, and then you know being that starter. Uh, I imagine all the knowledge that you learned from those coaches along the way. Yeah, well, you know, that was the one fortunate thing of, of you know, going and bouncing around and being that journeyman was, uh, you know, obviously I was fortunate enough to be on teams with, with, with some great offensive minds. And, uh, uh, you know, I had some great teammates that, that I learned from as well. But, uh, you know, like I said, that, that coaching uh, uh, foundation that uh, I was able to learn from over those years. And, and, look, you don't take everything that you learn from, from every coach, but, uh, you take pieces that fit into your game, and uh, you know along the way you kind of utilize them, and, and you know it molds you into into the quarterback that uh, you know is, is best for you to take your team out onto the field. And that's really what I brought down to Miami in 2000. Uh, you know, was all the things that I learned uh, from from Gruden, from uh, Billick, from from Coughlin uh, along the way, and. and uh, you know, took the strengths that I brought uh, into the game, and uh, you know, with the strategy and, and, and knowledge that uh, that that uh, you know they gave me, and you know, was able to translate that into into winning seasons in my app. Talking with former NFL quarterback Jay Fiedler, um, Jay, I'm curious what it was like to be the guy who took over for Dan Marino. I, I mean, that must have come along with a lot of pressure, and I wonder how you handled that because you take over for Dan Marino, and then you go 10 and five as a starter, 11 and five as a starter, and have a lot of success there. But when that first happened, I mean that that must have come along with a lot of criticism and, and expectations and things like that. How do you deal with that as as a quarterback when you're really taking on your first true starting gig? Well, for, for, for me, it wasn't about going and replacing Dan Marino. For me, it was a journey to become a, a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, Sage, you know, you know, you know this as well. I mean, you, you, you play your whole career to, to, to work up, and if you're not the anointed one right away, uh, you know, it's a, it's a grind and a journey to, to, to get that opportunity to start. Uh, so, 
you know, when it finally came for me and I was able to, to compete for a starting job and work my way up to, to, to get into that position, it didn't matter who I was replacing, mm-hmm. you know, who was before me. Uh, you know, I was putting more pressure on myself than anyone else, uh, you know, inside or outside the organization uh, was going to do. And, and I knew, you know, being uh, the, the, the guy that wasn't an anointed one, uh, you know, wasn't a first-round draft pick, wasn't... Uh, you know, uh, a, a big, uh, you know, free agent signing, uh, you know, with a, with a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract. Uh, you know, I was, I was brought in to, to compete for a starting job. I wasn't given anything. So, uh, you know, I knew that I had to go out and, and win games and, and prove myself and earn that reputation, uh, you know, of being a starting quarterback in the league. And, uh, uh, you know, the thing, the thing that made it, uh, you know, different, obviously, was, the fact that you know the guy before me was uh, you know one of the best of all time uh, to play the position and and certainly uh, you know someone that uh, Miami Dolphin fans uh, you know loved watching uh, week in and week out season you know every season uh, that he played and you know he, he was you know exciting player to watch and, and threw the ball all over the place but I knew going in that you know I brought a different skill set to, to to the game and, uh, you know I was able to win in different ways. Uh, than just being a drop-back pocket passer. Um, you know, and we had different teams there, too. I mean, our team was, was really built around defense, and, uh, you know, we had about 70% of our salary cap on, on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> this so, is very yeah, – I was, I was going to get to that, Jay. You know, <laughs> the, 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 the uh, Dolphin fans had gone all these years with this, you know, whether it's a pass-happy offense and throw, throwing around and – high-scoring games, and then, you know, the Jimmy Johnson, Dave Wanstead sort of era was, all right, we're not, we're going to win by the old school, sort of what the Vikings are doing, defense, run the football, smart quarterback that can make plays you need to, he's accurate, you know, makes good decisions and, and those types of things, and, and that was a big uh, sort of a you know philosophical change for Dolphin fans as well because they're no longer seeing 400 yards a game, you know, passing. But it was still winning football games. You know, talk to me about being on a team where you know you've got this defense. I believe my first year there in 2002, we had seven Pro Bowlers on defense, and Ricky Williams was yep. a Pro Bowler on offense. I mean, we really did invest like 70 percent of our salary cap. On the uh, on defense, the offensive line was was a lot of really old guys, and then it went to they all got all retired, and we went with a bunch of really young guys, you know, sixth round picks and fourth round picks starting, you know, as rookies or second year players, and uh, you know, talking about the challenges of being on a team where you know we're, we're not going to beat teams, you know, forty five to to thirty eight or whatever, we're going to be in this grinded out football games, and how, what your what your mentality as a quarterback in those types of situations where any mistake can really cost you, because the Vikings sort of have that style with Kirk Cousins right now, uh, where they prefer if they could to play great defense to run the football and not throw it forty five times a game. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes that gets frustrating as a quarterback where. Uh, you know the, the the team has such a defensive uh, minded mentality, and you know there there, there were times that uh, you know I felt that we got you know a little bit too conservative too early in in, in certain games. And, you know when we felt like we had an advantage offensively and we were doing things you know uh, really really well. Uh, uh, you know in the first half of games, there were some times that you know all of a sudden. You know, let's let's not go out and lose the game. Let's let our defense, uh, you know, continue to play. And and look, and, and there's there's something to that. Obviously, when you have a great defense, you don't want to be, 
uh, you know, taking crazy chances on offense. But, uh, you know, you also want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're taking advantage of situations, you know, whether it's down a distance situations of, uh, you know, throwing the ball in certain, in certain instances when, you know, defense is, is really giving you, uh, you know, every opportunity to make plays in the air, and, you know, and you still try to run the ball into nine and ten man boxes. Uh, uh, you know, it, 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 it's it, it's frustrating and tough, but uh, you know, I also knew as a quarterback that we did have such a great defense uh, down in Miami that uh, you know I had to be careful with the ball, but I also had to make plays. Uh, you know, when they were there, you know, I think one of the things I was most proud of. Uh, uh, you know, as a quarterback in Miami, was you know our third down production over the years was was you know usually one of the best uh, across the league, and you know that was uh, uh, you know one of the things that uh, you know we really focused on was uh, you know uh, maintaining uh, the possession as much as we can, controlling the clock, and, and winning that time of possession. You know, because we knew if uh, you know. We could keep our offense on the field and give our defense a break. They were going to make plays. They were going to, you know, uh, you know, create turnovers, uh, uh, and and we could keep the game close enough, uh, you know, to go out and win in the end. That's interesting, Jay, because uh, Sage and I talk a lot about quarterback win loss record and how you know sometimes it's not fair, but sometimes it makes sense because you play to the score, you play to the game situation, your team's strengths, and you didn't get sacked very much, and and you won a lot of games, I think, uh, for a reason. Uh, but Jay, there's something we love to do with journeyman quarterbacks, Sage and I, every week, which is look through their Wikipedia pages because we always find some gems in there, and of course, yours has two great things that if you weren't here i'd be bringing up uh number one it says on your wikipedia that you were a co-owner of a cba basketball expansion team called the <laughs> east kentucky miners which is amazing and also that you played pro volleyball can you explain these things <laughs> uh well we'll take the first one first uh you know i i grew up around basketball i was a uh, uh, yeah, my dad was a high school basketball coach in New York City. Coached, uh, you know, some amazing players. Uh, Anthony Mason being his most uh, 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 famous uh, one, who went on to to play for the New York Knicks and, and many other teams. Uh, you know, and he was he was kind of like a, a brother to me. Uh, you know, like like another family member. Uh, but you know, basketball was was my first love, and uh, I had an opportunity when I was in Miami. Uh, uh, to join forces with uh, some people that uh, actually owned the minor league team in, in Miami at the time. Um, you know, we realized that wasn't going to fly because, uh, you know, the Miami market wasn't really a, a, a minor league sports market. Uh, you know, per se, there's so much else going on. And, uh, you know, we found an opportunity to bring a team uh, uh, to Kentucky and uh, create a team out there. And it was, it was fun for a couple seasons. But, uh <laughs> Uh, you know, certainly not uh, the, the most lucrative uh, <laughs> I've been a part of. Uh, and then the the other one, uh, you know, the, the the pro volleyball one that was that was a funny one because uh, you know it was actually a, a promotional deal, uh, and uh, there was a, a big tournament in uh, Miami, a beach volleyball tournament, and they were looking for you know some former athletes to come in and. Uh, uh, you know, help promote the event a little bit. And, uh, you know, throughout the whole promotion, you know, they played it off like I was, you know, really into, 
uh, you know, becoming a professional volleyball player. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, so it was actually it was a Cuervo uh, promotion. They were, you know, one of the sponsors of, of the team, and you know, they brought me out the day before the tournament to to work with the with my teammate in two two on two volleyball. Uh, you know, I was I was about uh, you know two or three years uh, of, of post retirement, and you know I was out of shape at the time. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was it was it was really fun getting out there and uh, you know having fun uh, you know on the beach playing playing volleyball. And we almost won won our first match. And, uh, you know, it was it, it, it was really a great time. But that uh, that promotion got a lot of legs because you know they really played it off like I was. Uh, uh, you know, trying to become a professional volleyball player. Nobody has better stories in this world than journeyman quarterbacks. And I tell you it what. holds true every time. Uh, Jay, this has been super fun, and it always pays off to have one of Sage's random ex-teammates on the air. So, great job, and uh, great to have you on. Thanks. I, I hope we can catch up again. Maybe when the Dolphins find a quarterback. <laughs> we can talk about it. <laughs> Sounds good. It was great talking to you guys. All right. Thanks again, Jay. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back here. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.